Our Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you'll find that on page 1103. 1103, Acts chapter 9, we'll begin at verse uh, 28, which is two-thirds of the way down the first column. Barnabas has brought Saul to meet the apostles. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. As Peter travelled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia, and there he found a named man named Aeneas, who was paralysed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks, Nigel. Good morning, everybody. Tomorrow, uh, I christened this earlier, Refresh the Vision Day. Tomorrow, Refresh the Vision. Hopefully you can join us uh, tomorrow evening here in church as we consider where we've come the last sort of five or six years in our vision, where we are at the moment and where we're going from here as well. And this uh, short passage that has just been read out to us contains in the middle our our mission verse or our vision verse. Uh, Eddie had it up on the screen earlier. uh, And I wanted the whole of that passage because I wanted to hear what went before and went afterwards as well. But I'm just going to concentrate on that one particular verse this morning, Acts 9, verse 31. Let me read it out to you again in the uh, the ESV, English Standard Version, and then also in the message, which is Eugene Peterson's translation of that verse. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Things calmed down after that, and the church had smooth sailing for a while. All over the country, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, the church grew. They were permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God. The Holy Spirit was with them, strengthening them. They prospered wonderfully. Tomorrow, as I say, we're going to unpack things a little bit more, but I want to concentrate on that verse a little bit as a, as a prologue, if you like, to tomorrow. So this is part one. If you want part two, you've got to come along tomorrow evening. How's that for selling an annual parochial church meeting or wherever it is? Um, but it's, uh, it's so important that we come together and see where we're at 
So this is the prologue to it. Let me just pray for us before we dive into this verse together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active. Lord, would you come by your Holy Spirit and breathe upon us afresh this morning. Breathe through what I have to say. Breathe into our hearts. Lord, would you encourage us, challenge us, change us, rebuke us where necessary. But we want to hear what you have to say to us individually and as the church in in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this particular verse is one of those summary verses that we get throughout the book of Acts. Uh, There are six of them. Uh, They're not scattered by Luke throughout Acts. He deliberately places them at different junctures throughout the book of Acts. Let me just, and I need my glasses for this bit when I look at smaller print. Um, let, let me just flip you back to the first of these summary verses. It's in Acts 2, 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is one of those summary verses in Acts 9.31. And we're going to be summarizing things tomorrow to an extent. As I say, summarizing where we've been, where we are, and then looking into the future with our vision as well. So it's a summary verse, but it's also so much more than that. And if you're taking notes this morning in in kind of traditional uh, preacher style, I'm going to have three H's this morning. And the first of those is, I suggest that this is a a hinge verse. This is a hinge verse here in Acts. A hinge, just like hinges on, on doors, close one particular section and open up another section. Of course, anything that's gone before is not forgotten about. The gospel before this point is still really important. The experiences, it's the same message. But without question, there's something that's changing here as the door hinges open and the early church moves into a new time. For them, they've moved from a time of persecution into a time of peace. As it says, Samaria... Judea, Galilee had peace. The church had peace for the first time in a while. Well, why was that? Well, it had been a time of persecution, particularly because of one main character. Now, he wasn't the only one responsible for the persecution, but he was fairly fairly keen, uh, keen on persecuting Christians. I'm, co- I'm call- talking about uh, Paul, of course, or Saul, as he's referred to here. Earlier on in, in chapter 9, we get the, uh, the, the, the story of his Damascus conversion. And even in the verses that Nigel read out, the church is still kind of working out who is this character. Because he'd been the, the chief persecutor. He was breathing, breathing out murderous threats. And they still don't quite know if they can trust him yet. And so that's what we've got in those couple of verses. But we know how it goes from here. The chief persecutor has now become the chief promoter, the chief preacher of the gospel at that time. And so the church, as a result, moves into a time of peace. 
It's a hinge moment for the church. We have these hinge moments throughout, throughout life, don't we? We have it throughout history. In our own lives, there can be those, those hinge moments, perhaps, I don't know, when, when we get married. Things are a little bit different now. Or, or, or when we have a child. Or perhaps those kind of chance events that might go on in our lives, but when we look back and think, now that was a, that was a hinge moment. Something changed there. I moved or we moved from one situation into another and, and things were never quite the same. It can be true for us personally. It's true in the church. It can be tr- true in, in society as well. Look back through history and historians will say, oh, this moment in 19, whatever it was, there was a, they may not use the phrase, but there was a hinge moment. Something changed. I suggest that where we are today in church, both locally for us as St. John's, but even nationally as well, it's a bit of a hinge moment. Now, I've been around church for 50-odd years, and I've, I've heard kind of prophecies in the past, you know, here we are, and there's a new wave of the Holy Spirit, and we need to ride this wave and all of that. I've, I've been around that for a while. Nevertheless, if we just look at the facts of how these last few years have been, I think you'll agree with me that there's, there's something changing. We've never, have we, we've never experienced a, a worldwide pandemic in our lifetimes. Only two years ago, and I can look up at the camera and welcome those who are, uh, who are joining us through the camera, but, but, but two years ago, everybody was at home doing that. We were all sitting there watching Eddie on the screen in our, in our, in our homes. Some of us still sitting in our bedclothes and having breakfast as we watched. Because we couldn't come into church like this, could we? It was a strange experience. And then even when we came back together, there was that period of, of months and months whilst we had two or three people out the, out the front, the, the super elect who were allowed to sing with masks off. The rest of us had to sit there with our masks on and, and be silent, singing in our hearts. I mean, I was very brave one time. I, I hummed behind my mask. In fact, I must confess, there was an occasion where I actually sang some of the words out loud into my mask and then felt terribly guilty that I might have infected someone. Now, just saying it now, it sounds ridiculous, but that's the way that we've been living for a couple of years. And now as we come through into whatever stage of the pandemic we're in now, we're experiencing other things, aren't we? Food banks are getting busier. We've launched CAP. We know that poverty is on the increase in our nation. There are challenges around mental health. And there are challenges around church as well. I'm privileged in my role within sports chaplaincy to to travel up and down the country again and, and, and meet with people in other churches. And lots of churches are going through a time of change and saying, what what needs to change? What needs to be done differently? What needs to be done new? Some of you may have... Uh, I've heard of this, the, the acronym VUCA, V-U-C-A. You might have done some training on that. It's not a new thing, but it stands for these four words. Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. Now, don't worry, I'm not about to go into some kind of weird leadership training seminar now. 
and we can unpick it and agree with some of that and disagree. But just listen to those words again and think about where we've been and where we are and where the church is. Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. These are interesting days in which we are living. I suggest it's a hinge moment for us in church with the gospel message to proclaim. But to quote Joshua, we've never been this way before. I'm going to throw out a couple of questions as we go through the next 25 minutes or so for us to take away and think about personally as a church. How do you feel about this hinge moment? How do we feel as a church? How can you respond in this hinge moment? So my first H, hinge. Secondly, this verse speaks of a healthy church. A healthy church. Again, throughout church history, we've found that during times of persecution, the church seems to flourish. We hear those stories of, of churches that have been persecuted in, in, in China or, or during Russia, during the Cold War or, or in Korea. Some of us come back from uh, spring harvest. I've heard some of the stories. Oh, we heard this person and, and they were in the persecuted church. And, and they tell us these fantastic stories as things started to open up again. You know, that during that time of persecution, God really moved by his Holy Spirit and loads of people were saved. And, and we saw miracles and signs and wonders during a time of persecution. Because at that sort of time, we, as Christians, it becomes a matter of life and death. You know, if you believe this stuff, you've got to put your neck on the line because you know you can be martyred for it. And that brings out the true church. And it seems that the church thrives and flourishes during that time. This verse, though, is where peace breaks out. Not persecution, not war, but peace has broken out in the early church. As I said earlier, because Saul is no longer persecuting. As part of my preparation for this, I listened to uh, a preach uh, by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was preaching in Westminster Chapel uh, back in the 40s, 50s and 60s. And I, I listened to this preach of his from uh, the 7th of January 1962, so some 60-odd years ago. And if you know anything about Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's, he used to preach just on, on, on one verse. Uh, he, he worked through the book of Romans. Uh, to, he got to chapter 14, and then he kind of stopped after that. But he, it took him years with his expository preaching. And I listened to this 45-minute sermon from him on this one particular verse. And while some of the, the style uh, was, was a bit different to we might have today, nevertheless, I found it challenging, and particularly on this one point. He said that in a time of peace, this was the right way. This was the healthy way of church. That we shouldn't just think what the church flourishes during persecution, but actually here in the early church, it was at a time of peace that they were edified, as it says here, they were built up, and the church multiplied. 
And the challenge that he was putting out was this. Why is it at a time of peace, we don't see that going on in the church? Do we become lazy? Indolent, I think, was the word he used. Do we sit back and just say, oh, I mean, the early church. Oh, thank you, Lord. Saul has been saved. Let's put our feet up and have a rest now. We can all breathe for a couple of years until persecution breaks out again. But in the meantime, let's just gather in our cozy churches and pat one another on the back and just enjoy being with one another. Do we do that in our church in a time of peace? For all that I've said about the challenges of the last few years and the challenges that we still face, let's be honest, here in England, in Britain, we live in a time of peace. Even taking the pandemic, for those of us involved in sport, you weren't allowed to go to a football match for the last couple of years until the start of this season. Uh, But you could go to church. An exception was made for us in church that we could come in here and still worship, albeit behind masks, but the gospel was still proclaimed, wasn't it? We can go out onto our streets and pray. We can go door knocking. We can go and preach in at the standard if we want to. We live in a time of peace. We're not being persecuted. This is what healthy church should look like. Being built up, growing ourselves, developing in our faith in a time of peace, and multiplying Seeing the church growing during this time. And so there's the challenge. Are we being built up? Am I being built up in the faith? Am I growing? Am I helping to build others up? Is the church Multiplying. It's a hinge moment. This, I suggest, is what healthy church looks like. So the question then is, how? How to be a healthy church at this hinge moment? And we find it here in this verse. Not a clever evangelistic strategy, We don't read here that the early church suddenly uh, opened uh, a book that had just come in from America with lots of videos in it that told them this is the greatest thing that we need to be doing now to actually save lots of people. And they started all these courses going because they'd actually suddenly discovered that the Americans had it right and this was the way to do church. Now I'm being a bit sarcastic of course and a bit tongue in cheek. We've got some great courses, Alpha course, and we're doing the the Case for Christ course. You know, fantastic. But actually, that that isn't the answer. How did the church edify and multiply? Well, it's here in this verse. Being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Walking. If you're going on the journey next week, you might cycle or you might walk. And it's great, isn't it, when we walk along with one another, we talk about things. Jesus did it. Jesus did a lot of walking. 
We're thinking at the moment, of course, this Easter period. Jesus with the disciples uh, on the way to Emmaus. He was walking along, having a conversation with them. It's when they then got to their destination together, having heard what he had to say, they suddenly realized who he was. Walking implies movement, going. It's about living a life. It's about how we conduct our lives. It's not a static thing, is it? Christianity is not static. It's dynamic. We're walking, we're moving, we're going all the time. The early church was edified and multiplied by walking. How were they walking? Well, two things. First of all, walking in the fear of the Lord. I've uh, changed a little bit over the years, not just losing my hair, but I've changed in other ways. And 30-odd years ago, I remember I had a copy of uh, the Jonathan Edwards preach, um, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Some of you might have read that. And I, I, I used to keep a copy of that in, in our toilet at home so that when guests came round to relieve themselves, they would sit there and read about sinners in the hands of an angry God. I remember my uncle staying over one Christmas and uh, I said, did, did, did you read the book? He went, mm, I fancied something a little bit lighter than that, he said. I wouldn't have a copy of that in my toilet now, I don't think, at home. I've kind of moved on from wanting to frighten people into the kingdom of God. However, as I read this verse, I am really challenged by what it means to live, to walk in the fear of the Lord. I don't think, personally, we should be frightening people to being saved. But I do think those of us who would say we're Christians should be reflecting on what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord in our daily lives. I liked how Eugene put it. They were permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God. Am I permeated with a deep sense of reverence for God on a daily basis? Philippians 2 verse 12 tells me, tells us, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Wow. Am I doing that on a daily basis? Am I revering God more than what people might think about my actions? It's a challenge, isn't it? Not earning grace, but my response to grace, to his forgiveness, his kindness, his love, the fact that he's given me eternal life. Am I walking in the fear of the Lord? And secondly, and finally, they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Luke, in both his books, in the Gospel of Luke and in Acts, emphasizes the the Holy Spirit a lot and the the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, For example, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and as we look at this particular verse, it reminds us of these words of Jesus. What does he say there in verse 8 before he ascends? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 9.31, they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What do you think about comfort? As a child, did you have a comfort blanket? Or do you have a comfort blanket for your children? You know, when they're feeling a bit insecure or, or had a tough day at nursery or school, whatever, do you give them a oh, comfort blanket? Yeah, they will feel a bit better now. Some of you will have seen this, uh, the, the Bayer Tapestry. And I was going to try and have a photograph of this. And I said this earlier this morning, but I got all complicated in my head, you know. Oh, can we show this in church because of copyright? I know the Bayer Tapestry is way beyond copyright, of course, because it's very old. But, um, but the photograph of the Bayer Tapestry, well, that might be breach copyright. So there's no photograph. So I'm going to have to explain this if you've not seen it. And some of you will have heard this before. But there's a little scene on the Bayer Tapestry. And the words in Latin say, when, in, when, when translated, say something like this. Bishop Odo comforts the troops, or Bishop Odo comforts the boys, something like that. And then underneath, the picture is of, of Bishop Odo with his arms round the troops like this, just going, there, 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 everything will be all right. No, it isn't. Bishop Odo, underneath this wo- his words, he's standing there with this big stick, and it's as if he's prodding them and provoking them and comforting them. Come on, we're in a battle here. Get out there and fight for what we believe in. A very different understanding maybe to how we see comfort today with our comfort blankets. But perhaps if you want to take a biblical reference, very much like Psalm 23, which we sang earlier. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. No comfort blanket there. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great to comfort and put your arms around people when they're going through difficult times. One of the things I I really missed, I mentioned this this morning, and someone then gave me a hug afterwards. I really missed the hugs. I'm a hugger. I love a hug. I love hugging my boys. I love hugging people. Someone came up to me afterwards and said, let's have a hug then. I get comfort out of that. So I'm not knocking that. However... The Holy Spirit comforted in the early church by a prod and a poke and a come on, get out there. Stand up for what you believe in. That's how they were edified and that's how they were multiplied. It's that sense of putting courage into us. Being encouraged. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 warns us not to quench the Holy Spirit, not to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit, but to be empowered by him. And so as I come to a close, here's the final challenge then. As we, I suggest, stand at this hinge moment for us as church and in history, as we, I hope, want to be a healthy church in a time of peace, edified and multiplied.
Is there anything there as we walk in the fear of the Lord and being comforted by the Holy Spirit we need to repent of? Have we lived in fear of the Lord on a day-by-day basis? Have we in any way quenched or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives or as a church? And let's ask then the Holy Spirit to come. Ask the Lord to come in power, just like he did in the early church. Move in us. Move in our nation. Move in our area. That we may be edified. The church may be multiplied. And he may be glorified. Amen. Just before I hand back to Eddie, let's just have a moment of quiet and I'll pray for us. Father, as we remember the early church, this hinge moment for them, We come to you in 2022 as St. John's and as the wider church at a hinge moment for us with our, our vision, your vision, as we look at it together over the next day or so and beyond that. As we assess and reflect on where we're at as a nation, Lord, we want to be a healthy church at this time of peace. Lord, we want to be built up, edified. We want to see the church multiplied. We want to see men, women, and children coming to know you as Savior and Lord. Lord, will you show us how we may walk in in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Lord, even now, would you come by your Holy Spirit and breathe afresh on us? Lord, if we need to repent of our attitudes or things we've done, we do that now in the quietness of our hearts. Lord, if as a church we need to sort some things out, Lord, Show us that we may turn to you. And Lord, would you empower us, comfort us, prod us, provoke us by your Holy Spirit, that we may, we may walk before you, that your kingdom will be advanced your name glorified and your church multiplied. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.